Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. I just want to review last week's message real quick. One of the things that we covered was, number one, in order for me to receive God's freedom, I must first recognize my bondage. Amen? In order for me to recognize, in order for, receive, for me to receive God's freedom, I must first recognize that there's a bondage. And many times we, we never receive God's freedom because we don't know we're bound and we don't recognize the bondage that we're in. Number two, sin may not change God's heart for you, but it may change your heart for God. And so our motivation for, for not sinning is not so much that God's going to be mad at us and God's going to be disappointed in us and, and God's going to change his heart towards us. No, it's actually that if we sin or if we fall in sin, what happens is that our, heart, our hearts begin to change towards God and our heart becomes hardened towards God. And number, two, number three, the enemy cannot conquer you without your cooperation. Did you know that? Do you know that the enemy has no authority over your life? The only way he can conquer you is using the, the authority that you have surrendered to him. See, that gives me good news because I know that God has empowered me. God has given me authority. And if God has empowered me and he has given me authority, that, man, there's, that means there's no demon, devil, or flesh that can overcome my life. If you believe that in this place, give God some praise. And so today... Uh, uh, I want to introduce part two to this series, and my God, I, I really believe what's going to take place today is going to be something absolutely amazing, and um, last week was just the beginning. After last week, I said, okay, God, we could conclude the series, <laughs> and God said, no, there's more. God said, I said, God said, there's more. I said, God said, there's more, and um, I want to be honest, today's talk is really, I love to preach. I really do. I get excited. You know what I mean? But today I really want to, I want to minister to your heart. And I want to teach some things that are, I believe that is going to set you free from bondage. Amen? And uh, today I actually, I want to be the most transparent I've ever been on this pulpit. I've never been as transparent as I am going to be today because I want to share with you some things that I've never shared with uh, anyone on a pulpit, uh, so much so that I've asked my wife for permission if I can share some of the things that God has set us free from. And they're very personal things, very th things that, again, we don't just commonly speak of, but I believe that in being transparent today and sharing these, um, these testimonies, that God is going to use that as a conduit to set you free today. Amen? Amen. And so let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. And I got so much material to cover today. And we'll just read through this. And it says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Watch this next line. He has sent me. In other words, that's purpose. He has sent me to heal 
the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind. Again, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Do you know that that is the purpose for us doing church is so that all eyes in the building will be fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in you hearing it. I want to jump back to verse 18 and he says, he has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Psalm 73 says this, it says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. My, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I, I want you to just hold that text there. And again, I, I want to give you the title to today's message, and it's, it's simply this, heart surgery. Heart surgery. Look at the person next to you, tell them heart surgery. Tell them there's a scalpel in the building. And, and today what we're going to be speaking about, about in the second installment of this series is, is emotional bondage. And like I said, I'm going to be the most transparent here today. And I want to let you know if you're here for the first time or maybe you come, I want, you to, I want to let you know that it's okay to not be okay. <laughs> it's okay not to be okay. And so uh, at Christ Uncensored, we welcome everyone because, hey, it's a bunch of people who are not okay looking for the only one that can make him okay. <laughs> and some of the conversations that we have today may, 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 may confront some things on the inside of you. And you may not feel, this might not be that amen message. This might not be that amen message, but it'll be that message that when you go home, man, you, your heart is going to be different. And so it's okay not to be okay here at Christ Uncensored. What is not okay is for you to stay not okay. And so it's okay for you to not be okay, but what is not okay is for you to stay that way. And I just believe that today God is going to perform a heart surgery on each and every one of us. It's not simply just being set free from one thing. It's being set free from everything. And I think today we're going to talk about emotional bondage because much of what we deal with on a regular basis is based upon our heart condition. So if you would just join me in prayer as we bow our heads and pray, God, we... We know that you will do today only what you can do. Have your way in this place. None of me, all of you, that your strength will be perfected in my weakness today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says amen and amen. Come on, make some noise one more time at this house. Um, I, think, I think we all have, you know, we all have like airport stories, you know, like, we all have like airport stories, right? Like everybody has an airport struggle, something happened, and uh, I don't have too many of them, but I've heard so many of them. And you know, for me, like, have you ever lost your luggage in the airport? Like, I, I remember I lost my luggage one time in the airport, and uh, I go to the attendant, and uh, the attendant looks at me real and says, Mr. Remedios, your luggage is in Texas. 
And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I didn't get my luggage until about two weeks later. And, and I just think that everybody has a funny airport story. As a matter of fact, as, as you know, uh, Lisa's brother, Anthony, came uh, for the funeral um, earlier last week. And, and he shared with us that he was on the airport. And as he's on the airport, it's a five-and-a-half-hour flight. And he's sitting, next, he's, he's sitting next to a man, but now he's trying to watch TV. And as he's trying to watch TV, he's trying to change the channel. And, and when he's changing the channel, there's a problem. He actually, he literally sent us this picture. Look at this. Do we have that? It's not that picture. Do we have that? Do you see? Do you see that remote right there? That is the remote control to the TV. My man was like this. All right, my, my mom has a numerous amount of airport stories because she thinks that at, at her beautiful age that she can she can travel the world because she's a retired teacher and so she could travel the world. And she's like, please, I'm going to Costa Rica. I'm going to Guatemala. I'm going to Puerto Rico. I'm like, yo, you're a grandmother. Sit down, wear your glasses, and love us. <laughs> and uh, she, she, literally wa- wa- she, she literally walks around with her baggage. It has a red bandana. I'm like, hashtag Takashi69. And... And I'm like, yo, you, you, need to, like, you need to do something with that. Like, people are going to get the wrong impression walking around with a red bandana, mom. Like, you can't do that. And, uh, and one of my friends, uh, his name is George, and he shared with me a, a story uh, in the airport. And he shared, he, he shared this. He shared that he was going to go check in his luggage. And when he went to go check in his luggage, you know what they do? They weigh your luggage. And he just got curious, and you know that you have to pay more if, the, if it's uh, above a certain amount. But he also said, why do you weigh all the luggage? And, and they gave him an interesting answer. They said, we weigh the luggage. This is what he said. He says, when I went to fly and as I went to check in the baggage, they were weighing in my luggage. And I said, why do you weigh my bags? He go, they said, we calculate the weight because if the plane is carrying too much baggage, it won't be able to take off. See, I don't know about you, but I came to tell you today that in the next six weeks, whatever baggage that has been keeping you from taking off is going to be removed from your life. I came to tell someone that today, that maybe you've been holding on to too much baggage, but in the next six weeks, look at the person next to you, tell them, get ready to soar. Tell them we're dropping the baggage. Tell them we're dropping the baggage. Tell them we're dropping the baggage. See, I think if we were honest, we will all admit that at one point or another, we had some baggage in our life, and, and we're trying to fly, and we're trying to take off, and, and what's, what's holding us from flying is not that we got wings, it's that we have over an overload of baggage in our life. And so many times we, we, we find ourselves trying to figure things out, and maybe we've come to the place where we know there's something wrong. You know, maybe last week we were at the place where, like, ain't nothing wrong. But now we're like, man, man, something's wrong. There's something wrong here. Because, because um, I'm trying to take off, I'm trying to fly, and it seems like there's just too much baggage on my plane. The motor's running right, the airplanes, and it's like, you know how men do when there's something wrong with the car? The engine light goes on, we covered that last week, but now it's not that we're ignoring it. It's now that we open up the hood and we don't know where the problem is. It's like, all right, we're taking this to the mechanic. We know that there's a problem, unless you have a special anointing. Kid you not, Lisa 
is ridiculous. She prays for, literally, she prays for the Miranda's car. It started, start, it started working. She said, they said, listen, the car don't start. She said, hold on a second. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're going to start in the morning. I said, I don't like you. It would have taken me three hours there. Sweat on my brow, grease on my face. And she goes, en el nombre de Jesús, ahora mimito. Did it, not, did it start working or not? Amen. And so we go under the hood and we realize that there's a problem, but we don't know what the problem is. And, and I think many times when we are trying to take off and we know that there's too much baggage, we don't know how to deal with the baggage. We don't know. We know that there's baggage there, but we don't know how to get rid of it. And, and it seems like we're overloaded and overloaded. And, and I just want you to write this down. This is the number one thing. I think this will set you free that I think that the real problem is that you don't really know what the problem is. See, I think deep inside it, that's the real problem. The real problem is that you don't know, you don't really know what the problem is. And this is what the Apostle Paul was saying in Romans chapter 7. He says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise, so if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself, then do it. It becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more, for I know the law, but still can't keep it. See, it's not enough to know what's wrong. The problem is that even when we know what's wrong, we don't know how to fix it. See, for if I know the law, but I can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, hashtag New Year's resolutions, how are you doing? (laughs) I need something more for if I know the law, but I still can't keep it, and for the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions. Look at what it says. I obviously need... Help. Look at the person next to you. Tell them. No, don't tell them that. No, maybe you should tell them that. Tell them, I need some help. We're going to get set free today. Tell them, I need some help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result into actions. Something has gone Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. Have you ever felt like that? It's like, listen, there's something wrong here, but it's not on the exterior. It manifests itself in the exterior, but there's something wrong. And the Apostle Paul says there's something that's manifesting on in the actions. And he goes, the thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing that I don't want to do, I do. And it's all manifesting in actions. He says there's clearly something wrong, but it's not the actions themselves. It's something that goes deep within. And so many times if we don't know what the problem is, we end up applying the wrong solution. And when you begin to apply the wrong solution, to the problem, what you get is a disaster. They made a whole show about it called Home Improvement. <laughs> Tim the Tool Man. Why? Because, because there was problems 
and you try to apply the wrong solution, and what happens? You end up making it worse. See, because the, prob the real problem is that we don't know what the real problem is, and, and that's why this message is called heart surgery. Because we're going to deal with emotional bondages. See, many times we're trying to deal with the exterior, but it really, there is something, something much more deeper on the inside that God wants to heal and God wants to get a hold of. And God says, listen, listen, I, listen, I am the master surgeon here. I am ready to heal your heart. And, and I've never had heart surgery. Thank God. Um, but I've had knee surgery. And so in my story, at the age of 16, um, I hurt my knee and I tore my meniscus, okay? At the age of 16 years old. Now, here's where I want you to pay attention. This is very important. That at the age of 16, I tore my meniscus. I it almost ripped it completely off. And I dealt with that problem for 10 years. Now, I managed that problem pretty well. I, I actually, I would wear a cast on my knee, um, and, and, and I don't know if, if this happens to you, but if there, you, you, you have this, you have this uh, uh, functional dysfunction. <laughs> it's a functional dysfunction. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I just know that there's something wrong with me, and I know what to do with it on the exterior so that it won't be that bad. I'm preaching to someone today. And so what I would do is that my knee would lock on me. And so for 10 years, my knee locked on me, and I would just poof, pop it into place. I would put an ice pack on it. I would wear a bandage on it. For 10 years, I dealt with this pain, and it was manageable. I was able to deal with the pain. I was able to deal with the situation. My knee would get stuck, poof, pop it right back into place. It became a normal way of being, so much so that, I, oh, oh, I got stuck, I got stuck, poof, pop it into place. And many times, this is how we live our lives. We know how to manage the symptoms but never treat the source. And so 10 years later, at the age of 25 or 26, I finally go into surgery. And in 30 minutes, the surgeon plucked two holes in my knee, went deep into where the issue was, carved out where the, where the tear was, cleaned it out, completely took anything that was damaged in there, repaired it, sealed it, and it's never happened again. I am fully healed on this knee. Now, here's the thing, that many, many of our issues today go way deeper than what we see on the surface. And we've been managing the symptoms, and we've been dealing with the symptoms. But there is a master surgeon in this house. Look what he says in Luke chapter 4. He says, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal. Listen to this. He says, heal the brokenhearted. Listen, I don't care what you came in with today. There is a master surgeon in this, this house. And he's saying, this is my purpose. My purpose is to heal your broken heart. I know that there's a deeper issue. And it's not on the surface. I know that I have to go deep. You've been managing your issue as best as you can. But God is saying, you need surgery today. And there's a there's a God who is the master surgeon with a scalpel. He just needs your ready and damaged heart to come and lay on the table, and he's saying, I'm ready to restore your heart. I'm ready to heal your heart. I'm ready to fix whatever it was damaged. I'm ready to make your heart whole again. Come on, if you believe that there's a master surgeon in this house, I dare you to give God some praise in this place. When Jesus says, I, I came to heal the brokenhearted, he's actually, in the original Greek language, he's talking about like a heart, like a shattered pieces. Shattered pieces. 
And if we were honest with ourselves today, we would admit that our heart's been broken. If we, it, listen, it, it, no, don't, don't be looking at me like that. No more. No shine. No shine. Not this hard, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, not. Nah. But we've been honest, like, we've, we've been hurt. We've been hurt. Uh, because you weren't always this tough. <laughs> you weren't always this strong. You weren't always able to defend yourself. And at one point or another, in our most vulnerable time, possibly maybe your heart was wounded. And in that time of, of maybe it could have been a father, maybe it could have been a mother, maybe it could have been a comment, a sister, a brother, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. It could have been someone that was really close to you. And here's what happens. What happens is that the enemy, what he really wants to do is attack your heart. Because if he, listen, listen, if the enemy can, 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 can attack you in the heart, he knows that's where you live from. So, so it's, not just, it's not just the enemy getting you to do bad things. He wants to wound your heart because upon wounding your heart, the consequences is you doing bad things. Did you get that? And so God wants to not deal with your bad things. He just wants to deal with your wounded heart. See, because I live from the place of my wound. I've lived from the place, the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we're trying to manage the mouth, and God is saying, no, if I deal with the heart, the mouth will speak whatever's in the heart. And so many times what happens is when our heart is wounded, strongholds or spirits are entered into that moment. It's in those moments where your heart is wounded. The Bible uses this term stronghold. Everybody say stronghold. And, you know, a lot of uh, Christians and a lot of people who go to church, they use this word so frequently, stronghold. We bind strongholds. And I just want to explain to you what a stronghold is because a stronghold is not even a spiritual word. A stronghold is actually a military word. And so um, um, what happens is when your heart is broken, right there a stronghold comes in. Uh, an attitude, a spirit comes in and it, and it, and it finds its root. It finds its place. Uh, it could have been when you were a child. It could have been uh, maybe uh, when you were in college. It could have been in a moment of vulnerability. And it's at that moment the enemy allows a stronghold to be built in your heart. And here's what a stronghold is. See, a stronghold, look what Paul says. He uses, the word stronghold is only found once in the New Testament. But it's found millions of times, not millions, but a lot of times in the Old Testament. And 2 Corinthians says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. He's using a metaphor. And so these strongholds manifest themselves in the flesh, but you cannot wage war with them in the flesh. Does that make sense? These, they, they manifest themselves in the flesh and so many times we're dealing with things in the flesh and we're providing a natural, we're trying to deal with a spiritual dilemma through natural means. And so many times we try to, we, the, the enemy comes in, in, inside, he, he sets up a stronghold. And here's what a stronghold is in the, in, throughout the Old Testament. It's actually a military term and, and here's what it is. It's, in the Old Testament it was described as a fortress. 
So it was like a defense wall, like a barricade, impenetrable. Nothing can go in, nothing can go out. So in war, they would say, let's go to the stronghold. This is why over and over, the book of Psalms, David says, Lord, you are my stronghold. Why? You are my protection. You are my defense. Right? So a stronghold, a spiritual stronghold, is, is what happens in your life that comes in to protect the wound that was caused when you were a child. And so what we, we think is it's like this, 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 this super spiritual thing, but what it is, it's actually a military term, and it's, 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 it's depicting, okay, you got hurt. See, see, anger is not the problem. Anger is just a stronghold. Do, do you get that? And so, and so, so your, 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 your heart's been wounded, and so a, a spirit of anger comes in, sets up a stronghold, and now nothing goes in and nothing comes out. So, so you can't love the way you want to love, and you can't receive love the way you need to receive love. Why? Because there's a stronghold that is, is impenetrable. There's a stronghold that is stopping love from coming in and love from coming out. And so you can manage, you can do, but there's something deeper. Because you've been wounded so deep, the fences come up and these strongholds come up, and, and your anger whew, is protecting you from being wounded ever again. Like, nah, nah, this is my anger. It protects my wounds, it protects my heart from being wounded again. And God is saying, no, let, let, if I deal with the heart, the stronghold will come down. See, because God is the only one that can go beyond the strongholds in your life. See, if you go to a psychiatrist or if you go to someone and they'll provide, give you a subscription or, or a prescription rather, and, and, and you deal with, they medicate the problem just to manage the symptoms. And God is saying, no, 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 you see, I want to deal with the heart. And so in, in my relationship with my wife, again, at, at the sake of sounding really vulnerable right now, my, my wife and I, um, we've been married for six years. And in six years, um, um, this has been probably the best year of our marriage. And uh, the first year was very difficult in our marriage. We had, like, we had some, like, six months into it, like, we were going back and forth. Like, we had really bad religious differences. It's not that she was Muslim. We had bad religious differences. <laughs> bad religious differences. I thought I was God, and she didn't agree. And so... <laughs> we had some crazy marital issues, and... And, oh, man, and we, we, you know, we, we, we were good at managing the issues, right? So we're good. I hate you. I hate you. Are you ready to go to church? All right, let's go. And uh, don't judge me. Y'all know y'all have done that. This is the day that the Lord has made. <laughs> and uh, in the first year of our marriage, it was absolutely difficult. As you guys know, we, we come from divorce backgrounds. Uh, she was divorced at one time. I was divorced at one time. And... Now we're a blended family, and uh, it was very difficult that first year. And that second year was, was, it seemed like things weren't getting better. And the third year, it was like, okay, God, I know that this is the one for me. And let me tell you, by side note, it's hard to be married to the one that God has for you. You have to be Holy Ghost filled, anointed, filled with the blood of the Lamb to be married to the right one, let alone be married to the wrong one. 
All right? So if you're single, I'm helping you right now. <laughs> and um, it was difficult, man. It was super difficult. You know, and, and what happens is, is that when, when you don't know that your heart's been broken and you don't know that it, the, the wound is deep, you, th you start thinking that the other person is the, is the problem. And so now you're, 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 you're projecting what God wants to do in your life on someone else. And so this is why so many times we have a hard time be with, with being in relationship and working relationships. You know why? Because the person that is most close to us ends up stirring up that thing that, rep that shows that your heart's been wounded. And so there was things that Lisa was surfacing in me, and she was just raised, but it wasn't her fault. It was they were in me, but because I was able to manage it with everyone else, I knew how to be, hey, how are you? God bless you. How's everything? Oh, in the Lord. Amen. But at home, I'm not this cute. <laughs> and so what would happen is that I would say I would blame her. Why? Because there was something that she was stirring up in me that made me have to deal with me. And I didn't like that. I didn't like the fact that I would have to be faced with dealing with something I don't want to deal with. Firstly, I didn't even know was there, and now I'm saying, no, you gotta be the problem because with everyone else, I'm okay. Can I tell the truth? Can I, can I be honest today? And so we, we blame our spouse and we blame the person that God has put in your life. And I truly believe that many times in marriage, God uses your spouse to sanctify you. God uses your spouse to bring Jesus out of you. Because it's in those moments that God could really deep, go deep within and deal with that thing that if it not be for your spouse, you wouldn't even know it was there because you were so good at managing it with everyone else. And so... By 2015, it was like our fourth or fifth year of marriage, we knew that something had to give. And I was ready to walk out, and, and she probably was ready to do the same, and, and I, we just didn't know what to do. We knew that we were, this is, this is real, I'm, I'm keeping it real with you guys, we were pastoring a church. We were pastoring Kuhau, and at times we had to give counseling to other people Why we ourselves are the ones that needed counseling. And we held on to the hope of Jesus Christ, and we kept holding on, and we knew that God, and, and this is not a joke, like I'm not exaggerating one bit, hear me, I'm not exaggerating one bit. I'm not just trying to magnify this for the sake of, of today's teaching. I, this is 100% true, and we, we knew that we, something had to give, and so we went to counseling. And when we went to counseling, it was over and over and over again. To this year, two, it's two and a half years later, and we're still going to counseling because we know that we, it's not, we don't want to just go to counseling when we're in trouble. We want to go to counseling because we, we want to stay out of trouble. And so in one of those counseling sessions, see, I, I'm going to counseling. You know why? Because she's the problem. Mira, tu, she's going to talk to you all day. She's like, all right, all right, let's see what the Lord says. No, you're the problem. And you know, you say mean stuff, right? Like, you say mean stuff. And if the church would see you. I'll say something stupid. Amen, Pastor Roe. Devil, get thee behind. You know, you just say real, like, you say mean things, right? And I'll be like... Oh, I'm worshiping. I'm worshiping. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, and we went to counseling, and 
I thought she was the problem. She thought I was the problem. And we go to counseling and we, we begin to unpack certain things and deal with a lot of stuff, right? And it's in those moments, one of those sessions and one of those times together in counseling. Uh, I thank God for my counselor. Uh, she sat us both and we've had individual counseling and together and we, we, we sat down and, and I remember she, she, great counseling advice, but also spirit-filled advice. Because you can't counsel a demon. <laughs> and that's the problem sometimes because when we go to counseling and it's apart from the Holy Spirit, we end up trying to counsel and manage demons. But you can't counsel a demon. You can only cast out a demon, care for a being. And so here, here we were in, in the middle of a counseling session and, and we were there and, and our counselor says, here, here's what we, she just stops in the middle of the session and she says, hey, here's what we're going to do. I believe that God wants to get to the root of that issue right now. Because what happened with Pastor Rowe is that Pastor Rowe had this, almost this, this unusual amount of need for respect. And so I needed to be respected because it became my identity. And so if I ever felt disrespected, and so Lisa was living on eggshells with me because, because I needed to be disrespected. And if she looked at me the wrong way, you're being disrespectful. If she spoke to me the wrong way, if she did anything, if she smelled the wrong way, you offend me. Like I was easily disrespected, and I just thought it was just me as a man. I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew, like, I felt violated every time she would say something or do something. Or, or, and I didn't know where the hurt was coming from. I didn't even know I was being hurt. I just knew that I was being offended by her actions. And so she would tell me, she would literally cry and say, say I don't even know what I'm doing. She's like, what am I doing? I'm like, you're doing it now. <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing? Now you're patronizing me. And I would have this, high, this standard of respect that no one could meet. And everybody was falling short from it. And Lisa, who lived with me every single day, was falling short. And I remember in a, in a counseling session, our counselor says, you know, she, she says, you know, there, there's, there's a void there. There's, there's an emptiness there that you absolutely need. She goes, I understand that there's levels of respect. We should all respect one another. But there's a... There's a there's a leak. There's a leak. And, um, and I remember that moment, we, we, you know, we, she said, Here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit in. Hear me, hear me, Kuha. This is very important. And at that time, we bowed our heads and closed our eyes. And she says, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. And he's going to show you where the wounded area is, number one. And number two... He's going to bring you a memory when the wound took place. And let me tell you, Kuhau, at that very moment, at that very moment, the Holy Spirit, like in complete 4K film, showed me when the wound occurred. And it was a moment, I remember it like it was yesterday. And it was not a, a memory that plagued me. It's not a memory that, like, I felt hurt by the wound. Like, I didn't feel that hurt. I felt offended when it happened, but I didn't know it created something within me. Does that make sense? And so now I'm being perpetually wounded more than the original wound itself. And so it was a moment, the Holy Spirit brought it to me and he showed me the picture in Blu-ray, 4K, whatever, high definition, surround sound and everything. And it was a moment that 
my father, I, was, I, remember, I remember the scene. I was in my bedroom, and my father was out in the yard, and he was looking at me through the window. And apparently I did something in the yard that I wasn't supposed to. I don't even remember what that was. But I remember him looking in the window, and he's looking up because, the, you know, we were at a, a higher floor. So he's looking up, and he's looking at me through the window, and he says in Spanish, he goes, you're so stupid. <laughs> Romeo's like, ooh, the pastor cursed. <laughs> oh, she's raising that kid right. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Woo, come on. Say, ooh. <gasps> I remember my father, he looked at me through the window, and at that moment, a stronghold came in. At that very moment, I remember thinking, like, man, I remember thinking at that moment, at 11 years old, like, ah, all right, that's not right. You could hurt me now. You could hurt me now, but you won't be able to hurt me forever. And at that moment, a stronghold came in and set up shop, and I made sure, oh, ain't nobody going to violate me. Ain't nobody going to cross me. Ain't no one going to get the better of me. But in doing so, I was getting the better of myself. And let me tell you, when we went to that moment of counseling and we sought the counselor, that day when the Holy Spirit brought that memory to me, look what he, look what he did. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that memory and I'm going to heal you right there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see... Our God is not a God of time and space. He doesn't live in time and space. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. So when God lives, he lives completely. We have a linear timeline. But God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. So God can go to your past as if it's the present and heal you in your past and you feel the effects of it. Come on. God could heal you in your past. God could heal you in your past and you will feel the effects of it in the present because he's not a God of time and space. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. And at that moment, he grabbed that thought. He healed me at that time. And that thought was held captive to the obedience of Christ. This is what Paul says, which we use to destroy... To destroy strongholds, to destroy false arguments, we pull down every proud obstacle, every proud obstacle that raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive. How do you destroy a, a stronghold? You go back to the place that raised against what God was trying to do in your life. And God says, I take that thought, I submit it to the blood of Jesus Christ and the obedience of his word. And guess what? When that heart is healed, when those thoughts, that's where you think, you think in your heart, you take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ, healing takes place in your life. Amen. And so I want to give you quickly, just real quick, seven strongholds that come into your life. Seven strongholds, according to Rob, uh, Robert Morris's book, uh, Free Indeed. He says there's seven strongholds that come into your life when your heart has been broken. Number one is anger. Everybody shout anger. anger. Say anger. anger. 
See, th- th- this, is the, this is the stronghold that comes in and, and, and you were wounded. And what you're trying to do is that you, 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 you create that stronghold, that spirit. And so now your identity is anger. And so you, you ever felt so angry that you feel like you, it's a supernatural strength? Like you feel like you can, to- like you feel like you can toss a car over a cliff. Because a rage just builds up inside of you and and you feel like you're a superhuman. You seem like it is beyond your strength. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger could come and you can beat him up. Why? Because your superpower is anger. And it's this explosive power. I remember feeling so bent up on anger that I would even punch walls and make holes and patch them up because I didn't want people to see them. Right, because you, and then, and then when that spirit, of, that stronghold comes into your life and sets shops, you live at 300 degrees and it doesn't take much to boil you. <laughs> See, there's people that don't have the stronghold of anger. And so it takes a lot more to boil them up. But when you operate on that, on that stronghold of anger, you're living at 300 degrees. And, and it only takes a moment. Oh, 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 oh. You, you, why? Because that, that stronghold is trying to stop the wound from being hurt once again. Number two, you have insecurity. These are the people that constantly need attention. You've been wounded. You've been hurt as a child, and now you have this stronghold of insecurity. And you constantly need attention, and so you make everything about yourself. Can I, can I keep it real today? I'm not judging anyone. I'm just describing the scenario so that God could, so that we can see the symptom and really get to the root today. So you, you're constantly making it about you, and, and so you, you, you have to, oh, oh, yeah, well, let me tell you about me because there's an insecurity in your, your heart. They, there was a time in your life that you needed to be reassured and secured, and you weren't, and they didn't compliment you, and they didn't bless you, and they didn't do any of those things, and now you, you, you make sure you get yours. Let me, let me tell you about me, and there's an insecurity that God wants to deal with, but he doesn't deal with the insecurity. He deals with your heart. Pride. It's people who portray themselves as having it all together. They have it all together. Oh, they, 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 have, to, they have to have a facade. that they, they have every, oh, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I have it all together. And, and you're operating under a spirit of pride. And they have an opinion about everything. Because I need to let you know that I know. But what you're doing really is covering up a wound. Number four, independence. Independent woman. Right? So, so what happens is, is that um, you were hurt as a, as a child, or you were hurt, or, or maybe you were in a bad relationship, and, and, and now you, oh, I don't need nobody. I don't need, I don't need nobody. I'm good. Nah. I'm good. What is it? What is it? It is a, oh, my God, I'm preaching to someone. It is, it is a, a stronghold that has risen up so that no one can get in and nothing can come out. You can't love the way you want. I don't need nobody. I'm good. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. And that's how when you are offended, you don't even acknowledge your, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good because it's a defense so that you won't get hurt. And so you have the stronghold of independence. I don't need nobody. All I need to do is be Puerto Rican and pay my taxes. I'm good. I've never heard that one before, I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm assuming that's what it sounds like. Right? I don't need need anybody. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Number five, easily offended. Everybody has to walk on eggshells around you because you might get hurt. 
because everything hurts you. I remember when me and Lisa, we used to have this game where like, we used to bite each other, and I didn't get easily bruised, but she would get easily bruised. And so we would like catch each other ow, and bite each other. And so when I bit her, she would get bruised. This is when marriage was good. And um, <laughs> so we, 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 we'd bite each other and she would get, she's like, why'd you do that? I'm going to be walking around with a bruise. And, 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 and what I would do is I would press the bruise because I would see it, right? But many times we're walking around and the bruise is not visible and the bruise is being pressed constantly. And so you're easily offended. Everything hurts you. And people have to walk on eggshells. They can't really tell you, ah, nah, you know, ah, you know what it is. You got to be careful with that person because you know that. And, and what it is is that you're easily offended because you, 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 there's a wall that's up now that's trying to protect you from getting offended. Number six, loneliness. This is excessive fear of people. And so because you've been hurt, you just want to be all by yourself. It's not that you're independent, it's just that you just want to be by yourself. And no matter how crowded the room is, you still feel alone. Because you have conditioned yourself on how to feel alone. Because you were hurt by people. And so I'm just going to, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good here, I'm good, I'm good. Number seven, control. Control. This is when you have to manipulate every single aspect of your life. This is when you have to manipulate and control every conversation. You, you, you can't hear someone. You interrupt them every single time. You can't be corrected. You interrupt every... Why? Because you have to make sure you control because you don't want to hear what they have to say because if they say what they have to say, it might touch that nerve that you don't want to be touched. And so in order for you to stop that, you have to interrupt and so you got to control every situation. you got to make sure that you control. And if you can't control it with dominance, you control it by wanting a pity party. And so what happens sometimes is that, oh, you just go in there, I'm terrible, I'm the worst, I don't. And you throw yourself a pity party because that's the way you control yourself. So you say, I'm going to hurt myself before someone can hurt me. Oh, my God. So what the devil does is he sets up that shop and he makes you think that you can't love someone because they've hurt you. And because hurt people hurt people. And what you don't realize, listen, what you don't realize is this. Is that the enemy has used influence other people to hurt you. But they are not the problem. He's always been the problem. And if the enemy can convince you that he's not the problem and distract you, he'll have you, he'll have you juggling with symptoms for the rest of your life. You're just juggling symptoms. But I believe God came to set you free today. I said, I believe God came to set you free today. Second Corinthians chapter 2 says this, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Did you catch that? He said, listen, this is why we forgive. Because I ain't trying to get trapped in this circle and I'm not going to be able to take off. He goes, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not, how, not might outwit us. For we are not unaware of his scheme. Second Corinthians chapter 11, look what it says. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. <laughs> 
You know, you know that Satan is a coach? You know he's a coach. And what he does is that when something happens, he wants to set up a stronghold. So you know what he does? He coaches you. Hey, Joe, you just gonna, you just gonna let her talk to you like that? You know what? I bet you if it was someone else, she wouldn't do that. And he, and he coaches you, and he's like, hey, 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 come on. Let me talk to you real quick. That's right. Trisha, did you see Dyron? He said hi to everyone except you. <laughs> the devil, <laughs> the devil is a coach. And he'll whisper your, into your ear because he wants you to, see, you can feel emotions, but you don't have to fall into your emotions. I, I, I could feel them, but I don't have to fall into them. And many times we end up falling into emotional bondage because instead of allowing us to feel the emotion, we fall into the emotion. And I want you to write this down. Last point of today, it says, whatever you feed will ultimately flourish. Whatever you feed will ultimately flourish. Look, look what Ephesians chapter 4 says. It says, and do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge. The only way a grudge is effective in your life is if you hold on to it. But what you don't realize is that when you're holding on to the grudge, the grudge is holding on to you. It says, look what it says. Or, or, how do you give an opportunity to the devil? Or nurturing anger. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm nurturing. Do you, do you get the, do you get the, the connotations here, the, the notions here? Oh, I'm nurturing. I am feeding the anger. Uh, or harboring resentment. Or cultivating, cultivating bitterness. I'm feeding into it. The enemy is just spewing lies into my ear and I'm hearing him and I'm hearing him. And now I'm feeding, I am feeding those feel, feelings and I'm allowing them to flourish in my heart. And I remember, listen, I remember like it was yesterday. There was a moment I was cleaning my car. And I remember we came into extra money, me and my wife. Um... I think that if I, if I can lovingly roast Lisa uh, on Sundays, <laughs> I can speak about myself transparently, right? I was, I remember, listen, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was cleaning my car on the inside, on the inside of my car, and I was sitting down. And I remember we came into some extra money, and, um, and I remember that, that that money was used towards her children. You know, so we are a blended family. I have two stepchildren. She has two stepchildren. We're one family. And I remember, yo, I remember sitting there in the car and I was cleaning and I, I remember like this whisper just came to me and it was like, do you see? She cares more about your kid, her kids than yours. What? And, and he, oh, here's why. Here's why. Because you're using up the money only for her kids and not yours. Remember like it was yesterday. And I, and I had the decision, hear me, hear me. I had the decision to feed that feeling and let it flourish and let it grow or cap, hold it captive to the obedience of Christ and surrender it. And I, I remember at that very moment, I called her and I said, hey, honey, I just want to let you know I had this feeling just now. I had the feeling, but the feeling didn't have me. 
I had the feeling. And I said, honey, this is what I felt. And I just want to say true confessions. This is what I felt. I felt like you were loving your kids because we were spending this money on your kids and not my kids. And she was like, and, 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 and I love her because the Holy Spirit spoke through her. And she was like, I said, isn't it crazy how blessed your kids are that they don't need anything? Because at that moment, they're the ones that were good. They had everything. And it was her children that needed some things, it was high school, et cetera, et cetera, right? She was like, your, she's like, your kids are good. They have everything. And I said, you're absolutely right. And I said, I'm sorry for even allowing that thought to sit in. But let me tell you, we held that thought captive. We surrendered it to the obedience of Christ and allowed Christ to move in that life. You can either, listen, I, I, want, I want you to catch this real, real quick. Whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you let starve will die. See, see I, I had to let that thought starve. I wasn't going to fuel that thought. I had to let it go because the moment I feel into it, now I am nurturing bitterness. And I'm, I'm feeding it. I'm feeding the, the, the unforgiveness. I'm fueling, I'm, I'm adding fuel to the flame of, of anger. I'm, 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 I'm feeding it. And whatever you feed will flourish. As the worship team comes up, I want to give you this last, these last scriptures. Psalms 147 verse 3 says this. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. See, our God really wants to get to the deep issue today. Psalms 34 says, look what it says. It says, the Lord, maybe you feel like, how am I supposed to get to the problem? I don't, I don't know how to get to the problem. Well, you don't need to. God knows. No matter how many times you look at that hood, if you don't allow God to look at it, you're, not, you're just going to put that hood back down. You're going to know that there's a problem, but you're never going to know how to fix it. You're going to know that there's a wound. You're going to know why, because it's manifesting on the outside. You clearly see it. It's manifesting through anger. It's manifesting through insecurity. It's manifesting through easily wounded. It's manifesting through pride. It's manifesting through control. Oh, it's manifesting. But you don't know what to do with it. But look what Jesus says. He says, look, I know the real problem. See, we start where we began. See, the bigger problem is that you don't know what the real problem is. And Psalm 34 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit. See, God is saying, I, I, I want to go to that place. I'm near. See, you're so far away from it because it was years ago. You're so far away because it's been years. But he says, I'm right there with the scalpel. I'm ready to deal with it. I, I see you right there. I'm ready to go to the operating table. And I'm, re I'm ready to perform the biggest heart surgery that you can ever experience. And Psalm 73 says, my flesh and my heart may fail. Have you ever felt like that, like your heart's failed you? My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now before we, we play, I, I want us to bow our heads for a second. And I want us to listen to a song, but as we listen to the song, we get, I'm going to minister emotional healing right now. And I believe that today God is going to go, you could play the song. This song is called Open Spaces.
And it's pretty saying, you can lower it. And it's pretty much saying, God, I, I put my heart at the operating table. Lower it, lower it. Lower it. I want every eye closed, every eye closed. Please hear me. I need everybody to participate in this. Because in the next few moments, God, here's what we're going to ask Holy Spirit to do right now. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, we're going to minister emotional healing right now in a couple of seconds. And I'm going to speak, I'm going to, speak to that spirit that found place in your heart when your heart was broken. And some of us are going to start crying. Some of us are going to start experiencing the healing. But I want you to be completely open to this moment right now. And what we're going to ask of the Holy Spirit is this. Holy Spirit, bring to memory that place where I was wounded. You're going to say, Holy Spirit, bring to memory that place where I was wounded. And he's going to start bringing to you memory. He's going to show it to you. He's bringing to memory right now that place where you were wounded. And in a moment, I'm going to speak to that spirit that came in. And I'm going to believe that God's going to heal you right there. There it is. I see it. Can we sit there for five minutes? Three minutes, three minutes, come on. Someone's saying, well, that's not a really bad memory. Don't tell God what is bad or not. If God is bringing it to your memory, he wants to deal with something there. There's no memory too insignificant. He's healing your wounds right now. Your marriage is going to be better because you're being healed from the heart. Go ahead, go ahead. This is a, this is a judgment-free zone. Come on. There he is. He's bringing, he's bringing it to you. I want to minister healing to your life right now. God's going to heal that moment. If you can be so bold at this time, listen, don't hold back. Let God set you free today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.